Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. NFC East. Good morning, everybody. Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports, and I'm glad you guys are kicking off your day with me and my boy, my quarterback, Tone DeShields. It's Tone Thursday. Tone, how are we feeling today, my man? I'm feeling good, man. It's 7 a.m. You know, I can't I can't imagine feeling any better, man. I, I woke up blessed by the best. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's always a good way to describe a good morning. I, I'll tell you that. Uh, didn't have my breakfast yet, but uh, Jerry Jones seems to feel he has a he, he at least has a big breakfast full of Jalen Hurts because I've never seen an owner give an opposing team's quarterback that much credit like Jerry Jones did on Jalen Hurts Monday night. Yeah, you know, um, Jerry is a is an interesting character. Right. And, you know, you got to think about the situation they're in right now. His quarterback is down. He's paying him 40 plus million a year. And he hasn't really gotten the return on that investment. Now, you know, Dak Prescott, I think he's, in my humble opinion, I think Dak Prescott is the top 10 quarterback in his NFL. But for some reason, he hasn't been able to be uh, the locomotive. He's always, he's always seemed to be the caboose. Shout out to my man, uh, Dan Celio. That's one of his famous metaphors. And what I mean by that is, you know, Dak, in my humble opinion, has seemed to be a product of, the pieces around him. And whenever those pieces haven't been there, you see what we see. A guy who is a bit indecisive, a guy who doesn't trust his lesser talent. You know, I told people losing Amari Cooper would be huge for Dak Prescott. And everyone thought it would just fall by the wayside. But no, Amari was his favorite target. Amari was his most trusted target, believe it or not. So Jerry is in a very precarious position. Uh, he's acting off emotion, as usual. And you know, he understands the fact that Howie Roseman, you know, Jeff Lurie, they're paying their quarterback one million a year and they're getting the kind of production they're getting. So it has to stick. In, it has to stick in his craw for sure. Yeah, to run down what Jerry Jones pretty much said on Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I have the quote here. Hurts has really evolved and came out better than we might have thought. He also said he, he's impressed with his passing. He watched every snap of the game. So he, he knows the Eagles are a threat here. And he said the Eagles have done a really good job with Jalen Hurts, and that team is going to be all we can handle. And this is where Jerry Jones' comments have merit. Jalen Hurts grew up in Texas. So you know Jerry Jones has been following him. He was a five-star recruit. You know the story by now. Jerry Jones, to me, I I think he's impressed with what he's seen and the growth and the development of Jalen Hurts. And does it tie to Dak Prescott? I I think in the way it does, but I think Jerry Jones knows – this isn't the same quarterback we faced last year. This isn't the same quarterback we faced two years ago. This is going to be a problem for a long time. Well, I mean, yeah, right. It's to be expected. Um, 
that's typically what happens, right? You know, you tend to sleep on the competition, but then you start to see the growth. And just based off his statement, if you ask me, they didn't believe it could happen. And some people, I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet, but there are some people saying he rivals Dak Prescott. You know, some people saying he's he's caught him or whatever. And I'm not quite there yet. I need to see Hurts stack these days, stack these games a little bit more. Um, not to say he can't do it. And I don't want the fans to believe that I'm completely out on Jalen Hurts or down on Jalen Hurts. I'm 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 for Jalen Hurts. I want Jalen Hurts to be the best quarterback he could possibly be. That's what I really want for Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm a fan. Uh, but you know, a guy like Jalen Hurts, he's put in the work. He's kept his head down, he's put in the work, and you can't help but to support it. You can't help but to get behind it. Exactly. And see, here here's the thing. I watch some of the all twenty two and I watch Fran Dumphy's all uh Fred Duffy's all twenty two with Greg Cursell. I, I love all 22 films. Don't get me wrong. I, I watch it too. But I'm kind of getting tired of the I'm smarter than you narrative with a lot of people. And I'm not saying Fran and Greg are like this because they're not. But now you're seeing people break down their all 22 and they're saying, well, the Vikings let Jalen Hurts throw. They made Jalen Hurts beat them. Well, yeah, that's football. That's yes. the sport. So the Vikings challenged Jalen Hurts to beat them with his arm, and he did. And they went into a now one approach. Like, we don't have to make everything so complex here. And that, that's what drives me nuts. And, and I don't think they were negative comments on Jalen Hurts per se, but I just don't like the tone it came out on social media. Well, the Vikings, they're going to be in with his arm, and he did. And teams are going to change up. Yeah, teams are going to change it up. That, that's natural. But you don't think Jalen knows that? You don't think the Eagles know that? I'm sure the Cowboys are going to give him a different look too. But it, this ain't last year. Jalen Hurts is going to beat you with his arm just as much as he's going to beat you with his legs. Yeah, he's processing information uh, significantly faster. Uh, you could just see it on the field. He appears to be he, he just appears to be more decisive, right? So that that narrative is hilarious to me because those people are the same people who who get on him for running. And okay, the the narrative has always been well, teams are going to load the box and force Jalen Hurts to beat them with his arm. Okay, he did that. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter as much. People love to people love to move the finish line. People love to move the goalposts, and it's okay. Those kind of people, I don't really pay too much attention to those. Those people are, those people act off emotion. Those people are wishy-washy. They're flaky. Uh, I do not buy into that narrative. You know, at the end of the day, he's he, uh, he, he's he's an NFL quarterback, and if I, he's not responsible for the defense the Vikings are playing, if if they came out there with the game plan, because at, at the end of the day, all these teams, all these coaches game plan. It's their job to get their team or, or prepare their team to be in the best possible position best possible position to succeed and if a team under prepares or if they prepare the wrong way sometimes it's not even effort it's just it's just not having the right game plan if a team comes in with the poor game plan how is that Jalen Hurts fault a lot of people were saying well he was he was throwing to receivers that had about five five yards minimum of space you know all that kind of stuff and I'm like that's cool and I get that that's not going to happen every week and this is only a microcosm of what's to come, if you ask me. Jalen Hurts is going to take the game to another level, and he's, this is only week two, and we've already seen this jump from week one to week two um, in terms of production. You can make an argument. We probably would have seen this in week one, but the Detroit Lions blitzed him so much he had to get out of the pocket and be evasive and make things happen, and he and he put his stats by the wayside and focused more on moving the ball and focused more on production. So that whole narrative about, well, you know, they let him do that, um, that's not his fault. At the end of the day, he had to throw that ball. People were getting on him. And I'm sorry, sorry, sorry for being long-winded, Jeff, but I'm pretty sure you remember this. People got on him for not being able, being able to make the easy throws. 
not being able to uh, throw guys open. Every throw I've seen him make, he's he's throwing the guys in stride. He's putting it in spots that only they only they can get it. That's growth to me. Yeah. What upsets me about the whole thing is, uh, you know what? No, it doesn't upset me. Uh, I, honestly, I, I, I'm just gonna say this. I think people criticize Hurts the way they do, especially the analytics people, the the I'm smarter than you people. They were proven wrong by what they've seen so far about Jalen Hurts. And I think Jerry Jones, not saying he's in that category because he's never spoke bad about him, but I think Jerry Jones took a step back and said, you know what? I'm wrong. I was wrong about this guy. This guy's a pretty good quarterback. And I'll admit I'm wrong. I know the Eagles are going to be a problem. I Because the, the Eagles are the biggest threat to the Cowboys in the division. He's not saying that about the Giants. He's not saying about that about Washington. He is saying that about Philadelphia. And for me, for Jerry Jones to, to, to make the comments that he did on 105.3 The Fan. Again, these are big-time comments from probably the one owner that everybody seems to pay attention to. I think the Eagles are put on notice because of this. And that's just not Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. That's around the league. I think Jerry Jones knows, look, the NFC East goes through Philly right now. And I still think it goes through Dallas until the Eagles beat Dallas. But – I think Jerry Jones looks at it from a different mindset. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the calm, the calm before the storm, right? He sees it coming, and he knows that when we face them, Dak's not going, Dak's not going to be available. They're, they they can talk all they want about trying to force Dak back, and that's going to be a more so of a liability than an asset, if you ask me. Look, Jalen Hurts, he hasn't beat the Cowboys yet in his career. We understand that, and a lot of Cowboys fans like to throw that uh, throw that up. That's fair. Um, but you were going against a quarterback that was inexperienced, a guy that was thrown into the fire, a guy who didn't have as many pieces around him to succeed, um, a guy who was still developing. And now you see a guy who's more confident in the pocket. I was rewatching that Vikings game last night, and the amount of patience he exercised in that pocket, the fearlessness. Uh, there was a play, I believe. I, I think I think I believe it was uh, right before halftime, where he stood in that pocket and he delivered the ball down the middle to Dallas Goddard, and I think it was Daniil. Uh, uh, I think it was either Daniil or Zedarius, um, you know, w- one of the linebackers that came in and blew him up, but he stood in the pocket. He took the hit. Be- and that's something that people criticized him for, not being able to stand in the pocket, deliver the ball down the field, in the middle of the field, and trust his receiver to make the play and just trust his arm. He stood there, stood tall, delivered the pass, and took the hit. That's a, that's the signs to me of, of growth in the quarterback. He's, he doesn't have happy feedback there anymore. And the league is being put on notice. So I fully expect things to change. I fully expect uh, the league to adjust how they're playing him. But you got to pick your poison. You know, are you going to play zone um, and leave all that space for guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Because those guys are talented and they're smart. They know how to sit into the space of the zone. Or are you going to play man and then Jalen Hurts is going to gut you, you know, um, on the run. So you got to pick your poison. Exactly. And I don't want to get too much in Jalen Hurts today because we got tomorrow to do this too. But yeah, we do. there is a big matchup this week with Jalen Hurts and the guy he replaced, Carson Wentz, who it's been two years, Tone, but he's finally, finally opened up on his time in Philadelphia. I mean, it's unavoidable, right? You, you can't avoid it when you're playing them. And I still think the Monday night football game and week 10, I think it is, is going to be bigger because he's coming back to Philly. But regardless, he's facing the Eagles for the first time. And Wentz admitted it was a wild ride, but he also admitted faults of his own, saying he could have been better, a better person, a better teammate. I think we can all agree he 
he could have been a better teammate. I, I don't think he showed much leadership those last couple of years in Philadelphia, especially after Nick Foles brought them to a championship and a playoff berth in those two years. I think that, that hurt him. But he said the time allowed him to grow. He doesn't seem to have issues with the Eagles front office, probably because they, they granted him his request. You know, he, won, he wanted out and they, they gave it to him. Well, I don't think they wanted to do it, but I don't think Howie Roseman's upset over it. I don't think, you know, Carson Wentz is upset over it. I, I, I'd love to know his relationship with Doug Peterson, a better version of his relationship with Doug Peterson. But to me, Carson had much better things to say about the Eagles franchise than he did his former coach. That's true. That's true. He didn't really speak too much on Doug. And look, Carson, let's make it very clear. He's a good guy. He's not a bad person, right? You know, I don't want to paint the narrative that he's a bad person, but he's he has certain. <laughs> let's just put it that way. Exactly. He does. He has tendencies about him that aren't really desirable, and he's a questionable leader. Now, look, it's been some time since he's been in Philadelphia, so we're going to see what this man's made of come Sunday. This is this is a new Carson Wentz. This is a new look Carson Wentz. He's on a new team, new weapons, new scheme, and. I'm gonna. I gotta be honest with you. I think the Eagles win this game only because I think Carson is going to be the energy is going to be really high for him. It's going to be emotional for him, and it's only going to be worse when he actually comes back to Philly. If you ask me, so I don't know. I just don't think Carson has it in him from a competitive standpoint. Uh, well, no, I don't think he has it in him from an emotional standpoint to be able to win these games because I think he's going to try too hard. He's going to press when things get a little things get a little hairy. And you're going to start seeing him make mistakes, as always. I See, when I look at this game, I think Eagles will win, too. But I don't think it's going to be based on how Carson Wentz performs. I just think Carson Wentz has to play out of his mind to win this game because Washington can't tackle. They can't cover. Their linebackers are god-awful. I mean, Jalen Hurts could have a field day Sunday. And everybody's going to be like, oh, Jalen Hurts, I'll play Carson Wentz. And you be like, well, you got to understand how – poorest Washington's defenses. I mean, they literally let a guy fall on the ground and score a touchdown last week. I mean, great, that guy was DeAndre Swift, but uh, all things considered, they're really bad on the back end. That team needs Chase Young back. Their, their front is still a problem. But overall, though, I think Carson Wentz has played good for Washington. The last I would say week. so as well. I would agree with that. Yeah. It, it, see, this is where I, I get a good pulse on social media. Commander's fans really like what they're seeing out of him. And they know the mistakes he makes, but he's covering up for a lot of faults on that team. And I you know, and I, I think the popular saying is, we finally got the quarterback, but we have nothing else. And I, you know, at least on the defensive side of the ball. But their offense is legit. Um, Jahan Dotson's going to be a stud in this league. He's going to be a problem for a long, long time. Terry McLaurin, we know what he is. He's paid now. He's very good. Curtis Samuel looks back. Antonio Gibson's really good. The offensive line's okay. I think the Eagles can get the win. Uh, that's going to be the, the key in this game, Tony. The Eagles have to get the Wentz and force him to make the mistakes he typically makes. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny the season he's having, right? You know, 57 for 87, uh, completing about 65% of his passes. Uh, 650 yards in the air, seven uh, seven passing touchdowns, three interceptions. You know, like you said, he he makes his mistakes, but you know Carson is a guy you still have to monitor. He he still has talent. You know, he just he just had he just makes bonehead decisions. So 
you can't you the Eagles can't go into this game thinking that they can just sleepwalk against Carson. And I think what makes this Eagles team different than years past, they have someone in the leadership position who's a stable mind, right? Um, Nick Foles was a stable mind, but he wasn't never really a starter, just you know, a guy that had a pinch hit, right? But it's been a while since the Eagles had someone back there who was a stable presence and someone who demanded demanded excellence and the standard, as Jalen Hurts would say, regularly. And I don't think the Eagles come into this game um, underprepared. I don't think they come into this game um, being, you know, allowing the moment to get too big for them. This is a new look team anyway. They don't really have too many ties to Carson Wentz. So, See, that's the thing. And Wentz still has a lot of good friends in Philadelphia. I mean, he's played with Fletcher Cox. But you're right, though. There isn't many ties left uh, uh, in terms of the Super Bowl team. I mean, I'm trying to think who's left on that team. Brandon Graham. Kelsey, Cox, Graham. Yeah, yeah, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Isaac Sayamalo. There, there's not that many. I mean, Jordan Malala wasn't there. Miles Sanders wasn't there. Uh, obviously, none of the receivers were there. It, it, it's definitely now – It's. I feel like after week 10, this isn't going to be as much of a story anymore because he will be back in Philly. And look, I I know he's going to get booed. That's just the, the nature of the game. It's fine. I, I don't think I could boo Carson Wentz personally, but I, I, I think my mindset is I just don't care. Uh, I, you know, it's it was a good time for when he was there before he got hurt. I think it's more of a what if story than anything else. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the rational side of me is like, you know, he it's been it's been a couple years now. Move on. It was what it was. He was very instrumental in the Super Bowl championship for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can't deny that he was a key catalyst in that, um, helping that team secure uh, the number one seed, which allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to you know run through Philly, which forced the entire playoffs for the NFC to run through Philly. And I'm one of those people that firmly believes that if the Eagles don't have home field advantage in their playoffs, especially the way things played out, then we don't win that Super Bowl. So that's my mindset. That's the rational side of me. Now the the super fan side of me is, well, this guy's soft. I don't like how he, I don't I don't like how he left the city. I don't like how he didn't fight for his job. You yeah. know, yeah. so so you know, um that's the that's that's the duality, right? That's the duplicity that's that's the duplicity of um being uh a fan, right? An Eagles fan at that, right? You gotta you gotta be able to curb, you know, your fandom. And, and then, you know, balance that with, you know, your rationale and, you know, and, and, and your professionalism. Yeah. Personally, I think, and again, John McMullen has a much clearer picture on this. Right. But I think the Eagles got rid of Doug Peterson for Carson. And they brought in Nick and Carson just, he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't having it. He was ready to move on. And you're right. I, I think he had one bad year and said, well, that's a, no, he did not want to be challenged by Jalen Hurts. I don't think he ever, ever liked that draft pick. And look, stuff like this happens all the time. And I get tired of hearing Howie Roseman lucked into Jalen Hurts, this and that. No, he picked him. They liked him. If And remember, they had like, I think it was the hundred, the hundred third pick, I want to say, in that draft. They were not getting Jalen Hurts if they waited. They got, to, they got Jalen Hurts exactly when they won together. And it worked out well for the Eagles. I, you know, I, I think... Wentz's career has taken such a downturn now. I don't think it matters. But overall, it, it's just funny how he basically went to Indianapolis to try to avoid Philadelphia as much as possible, and now he's getting them twice a year. 
Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh, you know, look, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun Sunday. It's gonna be interesting. Their emotions are gonna be riding high. Um, I think I think the Monday night matchup, the the primetime matchup is gonna be a little bit bigger because it's gonna be in Philly. But you know, again, you know, I wish nothing but the best for Carson Wentz. Um, also, we have our guy uh, Jordan Dejani um, backstage. So, hey, listen, man, we should definitely take that break, Jeff. What do you, what do you think? Oh, oh, I definitely think so, Tone. Uh, Jordan's gonna bring the heat. Uh... He is our local Washington guy for CBS. He likes does a lot of Washington, does a lot of Titans stuff. So we're gonna have Jordan on a couple times this year. Uh, we'll we'll be back with Jordan right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Definitely is. Uh, my co-worker at CBS Sports, Jordan Dijani. What was it? Six o'clock your time over there? 
What's going on, Jeff Kerr? Yes, it's a lovely 6.23 a.m. in the Music City. Always excited to be on your show talking some football with you. Were you out all night, by the way? I, I mean, you sound like you were. Uh, I'm not to talk to sources about that. I'm not going to confirm or deny anything at this point. Uh, very excited for the weekend in general. Also excited for Saturday and Sunday. As you can see, I'm repping my balls at big game against Florida this weekend. I'm making my trek to Knoxville uh, later this afternoon. So very excited. Big weekend. What do you got? Three hour drive to, to Knoxville from Nashville? Yeah, three at the most. It's nothing too bad. And you also switch time zones. So you lose kind of an hour going from Central to Eastern. But on the way back, it's nice because you lose an hour or, or you gained an hour, I guess I should say. So, yeah, it's not that bad of a drive. I'm excited for it. I went to school there. So, yeah, a lot of excitement this weekend. Yeah, I'm the same way with Penn State, right? It's a three-hour drive from where I am. I can pull it off in the day. I still can't believe I do it and still find a way to live blog and do everything I need to do for CBS. But I brought you on this week for one reason, one reason only. There's a Eagles Commanders uh, game on Sunday, which is pretty insane considering Carson Wentz plays the Eagles for the first time. The Commanders actually look like a decent football team. Just what have been your thoughts on Washington after two weeks of the season? You know, the offense looks really refreshed, which is not something that I anticipated. And, and Carson Wentz has been playing some decent ball. But then again, he has some good weapons to work with. And I think you've been talking about it with Antonio Gibson, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuels back. Everyone knows what Terry McLaurin is about. So, you know, I wrote an article for CBSSports.com yesterday looking at that the Lions and the Commanders had the two most explosive <laughs> offenses leaving week two. Can you believe it? That's right. They've been responsible for 11 plays I think of at least 20 yards a piece and that's ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers who have 10 a piece at third and fourth in that ranking so that shows you that they're racking up yards at least um, which is a good thing and I think it's something that probably not every Washington commanders anticipated with the Carson Wentz signing that was obviously a very polarizing decision by this front office but so far through two weeks uh, you have to like what Carson Wentz has done exactly and I feel like for the first time in Carson Wentz's career, he has decent players to throw to. Uh, not discrediting what Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith and those guys did in 2017, but th this is just a completely different level. Uh, Jahan Dotson looks like he's going to be an absolute stud in this league. Absolutely, and I know you like that kid because he played for your favorite college team. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I mean, Wentz has thrown for 650 yards through two games, which ranks second between future MVP Tua Tungabailoa, who's thrown for 739 yards. So you have to really like what Wentz has done. But when it comes to the commanders and my other thoughts, obviously there's major cause for concern when it comes to the other side of the ball in the defense. We're talking about depth at linebacker, at cornerback, and just the overall play of those position groups. And now we have reason for concern along the offensive line as well. A unit who did not play well against the Detroit Lions this past Sunday, gave up some bad sacks. Carson Wentz was really having to work hard behind that lackluster protection. Now you lose your center and chase Rouye for at least a few weeks, maybe for more than that. So, yeah, there's cause for concern when it comes to a lot of the other parts of the commanders apart from the quarterback. Yeah, and I thought Charles Owen and Sam Cosby did a pretty good job against Jacksonville week one, and we see what Jacksonville's defense has been able to do for two weeks. But basically Aaron Glenn dialed up the same blitz packages he did against the Eagles it, it, in week two. and. They got home because Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. He, he just can't get out of that. And I think you saw the, the big difference there between what the Eagles have on the offensive line and what Washington has on the offensive line, which leads me to John Gann has to actually blitz, right? 
Oh, 100%. You absolutely have to if you want to get in the win column in week three. Yeah, that's that's the thing with with Washington. It's a very polarizing team, like you said. I really like that offense. I think Carson Wentz has done more than enough to get that team to one and one. But you're right. If you ask me to name Washington's linebackers right now, I would probably say John Bostic to start, which is really really bad considering they they had a four they have a former first round pick playing linebacker right now. Yeah, it's uh, Cole Holcomb, who I'm a big fan of. That's a guy who Jay Gruden loved. Jay Gruden watched him play at UNC. He's a tackle monster, but he's not exactly that versatile piece who can kind of step up and manner zone coverage. But he's a guy who can hunt you down in the run game. And then you got a former first-round pick in Jamin Davis, who has flashed at times, but at the same time, he hasn't exactly played like a first-round pick. And we don't even know exactly where he's going to fit best. Is he an off-ball linebacker? Is he a middle linebacker, inside backer? So, yeah, there's major problems when it comes to that linebacking core for Washington, and that's been an issue for years. My issue with Washington, too, is I think Jack Del Rio is a good defensive mind, but I feel like his time as a defensive coordinator, it's – I want to say it's a little over the hill. I, I feel like their defense is kind of behind the times a bit. Like, they they really don't care about linebacker there for some reason. It's I, Their linebacker – I've never seen linebackers that are so bad at pass coverage in – my life and keep in mind there's a lot of bad pass covering linebackers in the NFL but Washington just seems like you can throw any five to ten yard pass off them yeah a hundred percent I mean that's a good observation by you and you know I think it I think it goes into some schematics about it but I think it also goes into some of the skill sets of the linebackers as well these are guys who are not perceived to be you know good in pass coverage as well so it's kind of the perfect storm of mediocrity when it comes to that linebacking core and stopping the pass but what, when you talk about the defensive coordinator, I think he could be on the chopping block if we move forward a couple weeks in the future, if things do not improve for the commanders. I mean, this defense is bottom 10 in points per game allowed, total yards per game allowed, yards per play uh, allowed since the start of last season. They have the sixth worst defense in terms of yards allowed per game just this year and the fifth worst run defense. They're allowing 7.5 yards per rush which is actually worse in the NFL and not a stat I want to be rattling off to you with the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town. This is what concerns me about Washington, right? I thought Chase Young was going to beat this huge difference. Man. And great, he, he can't come back to week five at the earliest, but I still thought they'd survive with a Montez Sweat, with Jonathan Allen, with a Deron Payne. It just feels like their, their front four just isn't good enough. And I know Casey Tuhill's out too, by the way. I mean, yeah, I think this has been a, a subject of conversation for the past couple of years, really, uh, because Chase Young's rookie season, that's when Washington proved that they had the best defensive line in the NFL, and it made what was truly a lackluster secondary on paper the number two pass defense in the NFL, and we haven't seen that kind of production from that front four ever since then, and we can talk about Chase Young because he's obviously the headliner, right, the defensive player of the year. We started seeing OCs and running backs chip him off the edge, and it really affected his play. It, it, it led to Ron Rivera having to call him out in the middle of last year, and then he went and tore his ACL, which, of course, was very unfortunate. I mean, he's obviously going to be the headliner, but you brought it up. There's plenty of other notable names on that defensive front, and it seems like they're not getting home as much as they have in the past, which overall has been affecting this defense as a whole and this team as a whole. Before the season started, I wrote about coaches on the hot seat for CBS, and I hated to do it, but I kind of had to. Ron Rivera, he's had two losing seasons there. Yes, he did make the playoffs the first year, but as we all know, that was the, the year the NFC East was god-awful, and 
I figured if they have a losing season again with everything that's going on, he might be on the chopping block. But I, I don't know, Jordan. It just feels like no matter what right now, his job's safe in Washington. I have no idea what to make of that, and I have no problem with you including him on that list because obviously the commanders are not one of the elite teams in the NFL, and anytime you're saying that about your own club, your head coach could be on the chopping block, especially if it's a guy who's been there for several years. The issue with Ron Rivera, as you mentioned, is that he's not just a head coach for this franchise. He, he really is a member of the front office. Uh, when they made this hire, they gave the keys to the entire car to Ron Rivera, right? He's making a lot of decisions head coaches don't make in that front office. And he really is on the forefront of guiding this this team and this franchise through this rebuild, through this renaming, through everything, all the problems that they're dealing with off the field as well, which is why it's hard for me to come out and straight up say, yes, Ron Rivera is on the hot seat and he's going to be looking for work if things don't improve. I, I can't say that because his role – it, with this Washington franchise is very different compared to a Nick Sirianni compared to a Mike Vrabel or something like that. It's funny too. Cause when Ron Rivera was hired, that, that was two names ago. <laughs> you know, that, it, everything's kind of changed there for that franchise. I, I, I mean, I, I haven't, it, it's weird too. Cause when you think of Washington, you think of dysfunction, but overall, if you're not, if you're taking Dan Snyder out of the equation, which is hard to do, but when you put, you know, Jason Wright, Rob Rivera, it just feels like from a football standpoint, there actually is some continuity there, and it feels like they are getting on the right track. I would say so overall. I would say that everything has not been perfect. You know, I don't think that you know, there's been some misses in draft picks. Uh, there's been some misses in free agency. There's been some problems that have been problems for several years. I mean, we're talking about the linebacker spot. That hasn't been improved. Uh, so, But overall, I would agree with that statement, right, that things seem like they're on the right track. They finally decided on their new name, and now we're going to march forward. Now we have a prospective franchise signal caller, TPD, on that. Um, but things are definitely seem to be on the right track. I just want to see how the rest of this first half of the regular season goes, because then we'll have more clarity when it comes to job security, when it comes to scheme, when it comes to what the ceiling of this team could be. Do you like the commander's name? No. What did you Not want? Not at all. Yeah, what did you want to be? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually wanted to stay with the Washington football team um, because, listen, the the whole the whole Redskins moniker was very ingrained in my family, right? It's it's the logo and everything was a big deal for my dad's side of the family. When I was growing up, that was like the biggest thing. That's what brought us all together. So when obviously they stepped away from the name, which is fine, and I understand why. Um, they didn't replace it, right? They were just the Washington football team, the Washington NFL team that's up there in Virginia and plays in Landover, Maryland. I thought that was kind of cool and kind of different. Uh, people laughed at it like LeBron James, but I thought it was unique and I thought it was cool. It was almost kind of like a, a soccer club name. And, and in a way, they didn't replace it, right? And I was still cool with that. But the day they renamed it the Commanders, I think a lot of people felt a part of their fandom die, including myself. And maybe it's something they didn't anticipate because that's when they truly did replace the name with something else. Now it looks like they're an expansion team um, as opposed to that old Washington NFL franchise of old. That's what I liked about when they decided to become the football team. I, I, I actually embraced it too. I just like how they changed basically the Redskins logo to a W. They put numbers on the helmets. It felt like an old school team and they kept, you know, they didn't keep HTTR obviously, but they still play, you know, the band's still there. It's still, 
everything just kind of felt the same. And you're like, I actually like the commander's uniforms, by the way. But besides that, I, I'm not crazy about the team name. And, and Philly, we made the joke, oh, they're the commies. They're the commies. They're not the commanders. And I, I, I don't know. It, it just felt like it, it was a big swing and a miss by Washington there. Yeah, it definitely was. And, you know, the other thing is, if I was going to be able to pick a name for a new team, let's say the Tennessee Titans were changing their name, I want to go out on a limb, right? I want to pick something very unique. And I understand there was copyright issues with, like, the Red Tails and a couple of other different names. But I'd be going out on a limb and trying to choose something very unique, not something like Commanders or Warriors or Wolves or something like that. I'm going out on a limb to try to get this fan base juiced and excited, not pick the most stereotypical name that's been in Madden NFL PlayStation games for the past 10 years. (laughs) Uh, Which we all know hasn't changed, by the way. So. (laughs) <laughs> um, overall, the, uh, there's going to be a lot of Eagles fans coming down the FedEx field. Uh, I, I don't think I've talked to so many Eagles fans that are going down there. So I'm kind of curious to see how everything pans out Sunday. But last time I was at an NFL game as a fan, it was FedEx field. And it was basically how I remembered it. It was a dull, it, yeah, the press area is terrible. Uh, the park is terrible. Everything's been, when are they getting a new stadium? If they're getting one. I feel like we've been talking about this ever since I've been covering the NFL professionally. So I, I don't know what's going on with that, and I don't know what, what's going to come with that. We, I did write a couple of articles. There's been some developments just over the past year with Washington looking at buying different plots of land, um, and there was some that was south of, of Washington, D.C. Um, there was some that was in D.C. They're trying to figure out. There, it doesn't sound like there's any kind of – clarity when it comes to a potential landing spot in terms of location, which I think is a really big holdup. Plus you have all these off-field issues that a lot of people in politics and the congressmen and congresswomen are continuing to talk about. It's kind of hard to raise funding when the Washington NFL franchise is going through what they're going through off the field and having to testify between a congressional oversight committee, right? So we don't have any clarity on that just yet. I know they're trying to move on at least, um, but at the very least, I think that they'll try to build a new stadium. It could be in the same exact plot. Um, but, yeah, I don't have any updates on that. Not really sure. It's crazy, too, because I remember when FedEx Field was the the cream of the crop, the crown jewel, when it first came out. Everybody thought it was a great idea. And it'd be a great college stadium. The, it, to me, the issue is just the location. It's in the middle of nowhere. The parking situation is terrible. You thought that would improve. But overall, though, where do you want this stadium to go? Do you want Virginia, D.C.? Yeah, I think that's, you know, my, like I said, my dad's like been a big old, you know, Washington fan for a long time now. And I think that going to D.C. would be really cool. And D.C. is obviously a city not on the rise. It's obviously very established, but it's very different compared to what it was, let's say, 10 years ago. And I think there's a lot of different cool aspects about it. And bringing that new, this new rebranded franchise back into that spot Um, I think could really allow it to thrive and build off of the energy and also the fan base that's been established there uh, for quite some time. It's a shame. I don't think there's enough room where uh, the Nationals play the Navy Yard, D.C. Because that seems like the happening spot right now. Yeah, Navy Yard Suite. I went there for a bachelor trip a couple of years ago, went and saw a Nats game. It was awesome. Great little restaurants and brunch spots and all that. A place like that would be really sweet to host an NFL team because, like I said, I think it would really allow it to thrive in more ways than one. But spacing is going to be the issue. Funding still going to be an issue. Um, and that's why I think – and I want to say this too. I talked about Washington looking to go a little bit, a little bit south, and it almost seems like they're buying a plot of land 
not only for a stadium, but for shops, for, for living arrangements like apartments. And that's what we're seeing multiple NFL teams do. I don't know if people have realized that. Look at what the Chicago Bears are doing as well. They're kind of creating these little hubs that will surround their NFL stadium as opposed just to the stadium itself. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Because while Washington didn't go out on a limb for their new rebranded name, they may do that for their stadium in terms of a location and what will be established and built around that. You're right. You are seeing teams start to do that. And I think Carolina got this right almost 30 years ago now. Building Bank of America Stadium, where they build it, it's in Uptown. They built the baseball stadium around. There's so many local businesses there. It's a, gr- it's a great place to, to host an NFL game. I, I really like how you could walk in the city and walk there. It's a nice city, nice environment. Everybody's friendly down there. And I, I think that's what Washington's trying to do. I think a lot of people are trying to do – like Philly's unique. Philly's in a sports complex. and that, That's just their identity. Now, Sixers are trying to change that, obviously. But overall, though, I, I just feel like what this is the one thing Washington has to get right because MetLife Stadium and the Giants didn't get right. Cowboys seem it. I mean, it's a billion-dollar empire, but apparently traffic down there is terrible. I don't know. I've never been there. And Philadelphia is Philadelphia. So, I mean, look, I, I feel like this could really change the franchise around if they're able to get it done. No, one hundred percent, and that's a great point because, like you said, this isn't this isn't you know the Eagles moving moving homes. This isn't the Titans moving homes. This is a team that feels like an expansion club <clears throat> moving home. So they really have to reestablish themselves and reestablish their fan base and kind of bring back those former fans who are a little bit hesitant to jump onto this new commander's bandwagon. That's how important it is. So, and maybe that's something that they kind of understand behind the scenes. And that's why we haven't seen as much movement because there's been so much other movement when it comes to other matters of the front office and the team as a whole. From an outsider's perspective, what have been your thoughts on Jalen Hurts? Better than I thought. Um, I, I'm certainly not a Jalen Hurts detractor. I think the biggest thing for me was I wanted to see him more evolve as more of a pure passer. We all know that he's one of the best quarterbacks in terms of using his feet in the NFL. And I thought the next step was him to be obviously more of a pure passer. And I think we've seen that. And I think a lot of people predicted that, um, obviously, with the weapons that, that the Eagles now have in place with guys like A.J. Brown. Um, you know, I thought the Minnesota Vikings did make life a little bit easy on him at times with some of their coverages. I was kind of surprised by that. The middle of the field was open. It really allowed an easy pass to one of those talented wide receivers, and then they could use their own talent to kind of make guys miss, go up the sideline, as we've seen with A.J. Brown a couple of times and, and reviewing the film. Um, but Jalen Hurts, I think, is clearly making advancements, improvements when it comes to his passing ability And it really does intrigue me because if he is going to do that and if he's going to become a legitimate passer, then there's no reason the Eagles can't be legitimate contenders. So the the Philadelphia Eagles are absolutely one of those teams that I have my eye on moving forward as we march into week three. A.J. Brown, I I mean, you've seen him the past three years. You know how good he is and you're seeing the Titans offense without him. How much of a difference maker is he truly? Wow. You know, I'll I'll say this. We haven't even seen him hit a home run yet, right? I mean, we haven't seen those 80-yard touchdowns from from Jalen Hurts just yet. And I think that's almost a positive. Like, when I was watching A.J. Brown against Minnesota, he made this play where he kind of ran a a seven-yard in route, got the ball, turned and faced up field, and he was patient with how he ran the ball, right? He saw there was a blocker out to his left. He kind of scurried around to the left side, ran it up for a first down. 
that was a really patient A.J. Brown. And I feel like we didn't always see that with the Tennessee Titans, for better or for worse. He was obviously a home, home run hitter and a very talented wideout. But I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of A.J. Brown with the Philadelphia Eagles. It just it feels a little bit different. It feels like he is more of that physical specimen that he appeared to be at times with the Tennessee Titans. Now, with Tennessee, he was always that reliable number one that was going to beat teams deep. I think we're seeing him do even a little bit more in the short game with the Philadelphia Eagles. What happened down there? Because he hasn't been an issue. He's even joked to me a couple times about when I try to ask him some questions about Tennessee. He's like, I know what you're doing. You're trying to get a reaction here. But it just feels like he's ready to move on from that chapter in his life. But overall, though, it's it's a very weird situation how he's in Philadelphia. <clears throat> I'm glad you actually asked me because I think that I could offer some insight for some of your Eagles viewers. Um, now, this is not knowledge from people that I've talked to, but this is me connecting the dots from three different pictures. The A.J. Brown, his representatives, and the Tennessee Titans, when it came to these extension talks, were all on different pages. I, I don't think that the, that middle group of A.J. Brown's representatives, and this is just my theory, and this is what it seems like to me, they were not clearly communicating to A.J. Brown or the Tennessee Titans the other's wishes. Something went completely awry when it came to those contract negotiations because we saw A.J. Brown come out to the press and we saw the Tennessee Titans also talk to reporters about what happened. Well, A.J. Brown said this, well, we never got that number. His, his representatives never gave us that number. Um, A.J. Brown said he didn't ask for a trade when it was reported that he actually did ask for a trade. It felt like nobody was on the same page because I know the Tennessee Titans absolutely wanted to keep him in the fold. And you can go back on draft night and see what Mike Crable did when he talked to John Robinson in the draft room and they made that decision to trade him. He was pissed. So I know the Titans wanted to keep A.J. Brown in the fold, but something went absolutely wrong in those contract negotiations. And it didn't feel like A.J. Brown talking to the Titans. It felt like A.J. Brown talking to his representatives who then were talking to the Titans, but they were also saying things to the Titans. They weren't saying to A.J. Brown. That's what it felt like to me, and everything absolutely fell apart. Yeah, It's weird, too, because, again, when you ask him about it, he doesn't really want to talk about it. It, it, it just feels like there was a big miscommunication there. He doesn't want to rip his former franchise, but he also kind of wants to make him pay for – ultimately getting rid of him it, it almost made it sound like at least from from our vantage point that Tennessee may have out to be a problem guy and he really isn't that no yeah I would agree with that AJ Brown was never a problem guy during his time in Tennessee um and here's the other thing too he doesn't have to say anything to make the Titans pay right he just has to go out there and ball on Sundays and Mondays Sunday nights whenever he's playing and because all the Titans fans now, especially since they're 0-2, all they can talk about is A.J. Brown, right? What would this offense look like with, with A.J. Brown in the fold? We should have paid him. You know, Titans fans are obviously apoplectic at this point in the season. So A.J. Brown doesn't have to say anything. I think it's best for him not to say anything. He just has to go out there and continue to ball out. Yeah, and obviously the Eagles are going to play the Titans this year. Um, it's in Philadelphia, so I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a story. But, but yeah, th that is funny how – that's all Nashville's talking about. Like, do you really think they would be one and one with AJ Brown? I don't know because I feel I felt like the Giants' loss really was a microcosm of what's going to happen to them this year. You know, it's funny because people may say I'm I'm a biased Titans fan, which I'm not. But I think if AJ Brown was in the fold this year, that this team they might have a win in their first two weeks, but 
I don't I think they were due to take a step backwards. I think the play calling has been atrocious. We have disgusting injuries all over defense. The secondary is, in my opinion, one of the most least experienced, maybe the worst in the NFL as well. Clearly exposed by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills earlier on Monday night. So the, te- the Tennessee Titans were definitely poised to take a step backwards. You go back and look at free agency, and, and I'll ask you, who was their biggest addition? You, you probably can't name anybody. I don't remember who they signed in free agency because it wasn't anybody notable. Um, I think the Titans obviously were poised to take a step backwards from that number one seed in the AFC ways. And even if they had A.J. Brown, you know, I think that it still would be tough to to be a legitimate contender. I don't think that Titans team is that anymore. I think they would win the division with A.J. Brown. Um, but in terms of competing for a Super Bowl and getting that first round by in the postseason, uh, I, I don't I, I don't think it would have happened. Do you think the Titans penny pitched when it came to paying A.J. Brown? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, the number that A.J. Brown threw out there was was incorrect and not true. Um, but at the same time, the Titans were not willing to do the – well, actually, i got to pause there because I don't even know that. According to reports, uh, the number that A.J. Brown was asking for was much higher than what he got from Philly. So I think the biggest question when it comes to that fallout is the contract that he got from the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that something – um, if he asked the Tennessee Titans, would they have given him? And that's something I truly don't know the answer to. Maybe it was no. So that's why I say maybe a little bit, because it, it sounded like the initial offers that were get, being given from the Titans were were making A.J. Brown upset. That's at least what I'm reading the tea leaves about. So when you ask me if they were penny pinching, I think I have to lean towards yes, because they, they weren't in an amazing cap situation. They have a couple of other really big extensions coming up, namely Jeffrey Simmons as well. So they were probably penny pinching a little bit, but at the same time, I know that they wanted to keep AJ Brown in the fold. Finally, before I let you go, Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown, obviously we, we know the connection there. I mean, I, I remember I reported that week, Jalen Hurts is at AJ Brown's daughter's birthday party. So when he was straight to the Eagles, it wasn't really a surprise to me just based on the friendship there, but how good do you think this connection can be? I think it could be elite. I think it could be very, very good. I think they could be a dynamic duo. I think it relies on two things, though. I think it relies on AJ or hinges on AJ Brown remaining healthy, which is something he struggled with over the past couple of seasons. And also, as I'm talking about, Jalen Hurts evolving into that true passer. And again, we've seen the early makings of that, not only with his performance on the field, but also in the play calling of Nick Sirianni and that Eagles coaching staff, right? They're throwing the ball a little bit more now, as they should with guys like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who A.J. Brown says could be two legitimate number one wide receivers. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic for the Philadelphia Eagles. Who do you got Sunday, Eagles or Commanders? I got the Eagles. In fact, I'm dropping my gambling column for CBSSports.com. Tomorrow morning, and yes, the Eagles uh, minus six and a half over the Washington Commanders will be a best bet of mine. A couple of reasons. I, I brought up the Washington defense has been really struggling, um, and, and obviously Philly's really good on the ground, which is something Washington struggles to stop. On the flip side, Carson Wentz has been playing some decent ball. There's going to be that revenge game factor, excitement, but his offensive line is really banged up now. We don't even know who's going to be able to play center. So. There's reason to be really high on Philly. That stadium is going to be rocking for the Eagles, not the Commanders. Um, so I'm leaning towards Philly when it comes to Sunday. Jordan, I think it's always a good conversation when I just went 30 minutes and then barely got it in a gambling question for you. Uh, but <laughs> next time I have you on, we're going to have to talk some gambling. Well, I'll obviously have you on. Good morning, MC East. No one knows the MC East just as good as uh, Jordan DeJaney. I'll say that. 
I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It was fun this morning. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for coming on, Jordan. All right, and I got to give my tribute to Joey McDonald. We're going to put a bow on the show right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. crazy Eagles Washington is to me. One of the stories I wanted to talk about today, I didn't really get a chance to, and that was Kenny Galladay. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, he sounded off on the Giants yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow, but pretty much he said he came here to play. He prepares like he plays every week, but he said he should be playing regardless. That's a fact. <laughs> you got two snaps. The Giants don't even like you. He said he's not here to make friends with the coaches. To him, they're just co-workers. Okay. Whatever, Kenny G. Um, dude, you're bad. The Giants, they only want you. You're just on the roster because it cost them $14 million to get rid of you. 
He does the highest cap hit for any wide receiver in the NFL. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible signing. I wanted to mention this too. Mike Gill brought this up to me last night when I was on the sports bash with him. When are the Eagles ever going to be an underdog the rest of the season? Think about this. Their favorite against Washington, which Jordan Janey, by the way, said they're going to cover. So keep that in mind. Jordan's really good at gambling, by the way. His hit rate is like 59, 60%. So he's pretty good there. But think about this. Washington, they're going to be favored. Jacksonville, they're going to be favored. Arizona, maybe. But again, this is the Cardinals team I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. So maybe Arizona. Dallas, they're going to be favored. Pittsburgh, they're going to be favored. Houston, they're going to be favored. Washington, they're going to be favored. Colts, yes. Green Bay might be the one. Green Bay at home, Sunday night football. They could be an underdog there. Maybe, though. It's not a given. Tennessee, no. Saints, no. Chicago, no. Dallas on the road, maybe. Maybe. Giants, both times, no. Think about that. Think about that for a second. The Eagles might only be underdogs two more times the entire year. Maybe. Maybe three. Maybe two. That's insane. Their schedule is so easy. It's ridiculous. So if you have expectations for 12, 13 wins, I don't blame you. I don't. Not based on how they played the first two games and how their schedule looks. There's a lot of teams they should beat. And yeah, they're going to have hiccups. That's football. You're going to lose the teams you shouldn't. Maybe that's Pittsburgh. Maybe that's Arizona. Maybe that's the Giants. Maybe Washington. But there are a lot of teams that they're just better than. And their schedule sets them up. I mean, maybe a month or two from now, we're talking about home field. It's very possible. But again, it's early. They got to take care of Washington first. But it seems like the consensus is the Eagles do have the, the huge edge on Washington because of how bad Washington is as a pass defense and how bad they are at tackling. But bottom line, like Jordan said, they have to get home. The Eagles have to get home. They have to blitz Carson Wentz. And we'll talk about this tomorrow. We're going to talk plenty of Giants-Cowboys tomorrow as well because they have a game Monday night. So we do have Monday to talk about that as well. Once again, thanks, thanks guys, for tuning in on the show. Hit that like button. Keep the comments up. I'm loving it. I love how you guys are brought in the Good Morning NFC East. It's such a fun time. I got former Washington wide receiver Anthony Armstrong on tomorrow. It's going to be a fun time. And I'm curious. He played with Robert Griffin third. Yeah, really good rookie year for Washington, by the way. Uh, both Anthony Armstrong and Robert Griffin. So that's going to be a fun time tomorrow. You will not want to miss Good Morning NFC East. Once again, my name is Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Tune in to the Birds 365 with Joey McDonald and John McMullen coming up next.